So my son George likes, there's, there are a few things in life that he likes to think that he is the best at. <clears throat> so he's seven years old now, right? There was one time uh, that we went fishing <clears throat> a couple years ago. We went uh, fishing, uh, specifically bass fishing, and he had this one lure that he was using the whole time, mostly just because it held his attention, because it floated on top and had a little propeller, right, and that kind of thing. And uh, there was, he was fishing, he was casting, you know, that kind of thing, and I wasn't catching anything, and we were just, I was cruising with a trolling motor, moving pretty quick, and I was casting pretty heavy. And so he just, at one point, he just was watching the lure, like, go behind the boat, uh, and all of a sudden, a small bass just, like, took it, and he, like, caught it and reeled it in. He was like, I'm so good at this. I'm the best, right? And then later, he ended up catching another one, a little small one, that kind of thing, and just kept going on and on about, like, I'm the best. I caught more than Dad. Like, I caught, like, a catfish, weirdly, but no bass uh, kind of thing. He's like, I'm better than Dad. I caught uh, two fish. He only caught one. His was bigger, but, like, I caught two. I'm better than Dad at fishing, right? Like, he just got into this whole mode that, like, he was the best at this. He super loves board games uh, right now, too. And uh, I've gotten finally to a point that I'm, like, Early on, I would let him win or I would, like, help him a lot. And now I'm just, like, no mercy. And so, like, we played this game last night. It's this new game that we've got called Plunder. It's, like, a pirate-based game. And uh, it's a lot of fun. And I just demolished him. You're supposed to play to 10. He had, like, three when I got to 10. I was just like, I'm going to show you what's up now, boy. Sorry. No, no mercy. And that kind of thing. But for a while, like, there, uh, there was a game that, like, we would play. And he would win a lot because I would just help him a lot. And so he was like, I'm so good at this. I beat Dad all the time. Right? Like, he got into this mode, like, I'm great at this. You know, in our life, I think there's a lot of moments that we have that we either accidentally do something awesome, and so then we just assume we're awesome, right? Or we, we don't take time to realize that it's actually God working in the background. God's the one that's actually doing these things for us, and we just assume that we're awesome, right? You, have, you ever kind of come to that realization that, like, oh, no, like, God's the one actually doing this kind of thing, right? So we're, we're going to continue our series. This is actually the last week in this uh, where we get to learn all these, like, uh, great and awesome, like, theological terms, right? Anybody remembers any of the, like, theological terms we've learned about the attributes of God over the last couple of weeks? Anybody remember? No? Cool. Glad you guys are listening. Uh, so we learned about holiness the first week, right, that God is perfectly holy, right? And then the next week, Hunter was in here with you guys. You learned about uh, God being immutable, right, unchangeable, that kind of thing. And then last week, we talked about uh, omniscience, omnipresence, uh, omnipresence, right? Like God is all-knowing and he is ever-present, right? He is everywhere, right? And tonight is the last of the three omnis that we're going to learn, uh, and it's uh, omnipotent, not omnipotent, right? God is not all smell. Uh, he is omniscient, right? And uh, he is uh, omnipotent, sorry, excuse me, which means that he is all-powerful, there's a lot of interesting uh, logical roads we could go down when we think about, like, God being all-powerful, right? Like, can God, if he's all-powerful, if he can do all things, can God create a rock so heavy that he can't pick it up? Is it breaking your brain, right? You're like, wait a second, what? And some of you are like, huh, right? Like, it's okay, right? Like, so you start to think, okay, well, if God is all-powerful, if he can do all things, but, like, if you follow that logic, he inevitably either can't do a thing or he creates a thing that keeps him from, like, where he can't do a thing, right? Like, it just gets into this weird, like, 
oh no, right? But I think that's a mis- that's why well, no, that's just that's misunderstanding what this means, right? God being all powerful, omnipotent, is not what we think in that sense. Like God is incredibly powerful. The scriptures talk about all over the place. Psalm, you don't turn there. Uh, Psalm 115 verse 3 says, our God is in the heavens. He does all that he pleases. God does what he wants, right? Like that's David saying, like God does whatever pleases him. Now, thankfully, like we learned like three, three weeks ago or so, like he is holy. He is perfectly righteous and just. So the things that please God are righteousness and justice and those kind of things, not like murder, you know, and those kind of things, right? And so uh, I don't know why I jumped straight to that one, but that's where I went, right? And then uh, Isaiah tells us in uh, chapter uh, 55 of the book of uh, Isaiah that God, um, that, that everything in creation obeys God. When God speaks, everything listens. Everything obeys God. But then if you actually think about that for a second, you're like, wait, Isaiah, humans don't really do that whole obedience thing very well. Right, and so if, if everything in creation obeys God, where's where's this whole like human element in this whole deal? The beautiful thing about that is because since God is all powerful and created everything, God created us with the ability to disobey Him. We'll get into that a little bit later, right? Uh, in in this sort of deal, but you see. Like I said earlier, it's, it's pretty easy to go down this all-powerful path, like to think of it as that God can do anything, and, and He really can ultimately, but there are actually a few things in Scripture that uh, we find out that God can't do, right? God can't lie. God can't sin, right? If He's perfectly holy, then, he's, then He can't sin, and lying is one of the big ten, right? Uh, and so, that's the Ten Commandments. Um, and so, God can't lie. He can't sin. He can't do evil, right? He can only do things that are holy and righteous and just and truth. Right? So we're not, I mean, we're not trying to sit here and spend a whole lot of time like trying to figure out what God can't do, but what I want you to understand is it's not just that God is, can do whatever he wants. Well, really, the better understanding of omnipotence is God is in control of everything. Right? It's not really a list of like he can and can't do this, right? It's just that God is in control of all things. No matter how much we think we've messed it up, no matter how, much, how disobedient we or any like world leaders or any of that kind of stuff, how disobedient any of that is, God is still in control. He allows things to happen, right? It's not so much so that God's so much in control that he's even the one that's causing like evil to happen. He's allowing that to happen. Because God does have the power, right? If you know this, any of the Old Testament stories, right? Sodom and Gomorrah psh, wiped it out, right? The whole earth flooded it, right? To get rid of all of the unrighteousness on earth, except for Noah and his family, who were the only righteous humans alive at the time, right? Like God can stop it, but he has this bigger picture, this bigger purpose of redemption that we don't see. And so it's hard for us when you go d- get down this path a lot. Uh, it's, it's easy to start asking um, questions like, you know, why does God allow bad things to happen? Why does God allow this to happen? Why did God allow my parents to get divorced? Why did God allow, you know, somebody to die, right? Like all these things, you can, you can kind of spiral out about those things. But ultimately, in the bigger picture of all this, God is the one in control of everything down to the little details. 
of your life all the way to the world stage of wars and all that kind of stuff. Like, God is in control, right? It's, this is not like, there's nothing that's surprising God. He's not like, oh, no, right? It's, it's not that, that kind of situation. Like, if you were in a boat in the water and all of a sudden you look down and it's, like, leaking, that would shock you, right? And that kind of thing. That's not how it is with God. Since God is all-knowing, right, and he is ever-present, then nothing surprises him, and he's in control of all these things. And really, that's comforting when you start to really see that, like, that's what that means, that God is all-powerful. Because when we think, because of the sin nature in us, when we think of power, or at least when I think of power, outside of, like, electricity, right? Usually when you think of, like, a being with power, typically you think of some sort of, like, leader that's in charge of things, and often because of all the examples throughout history over and over and over again, they're terrible people because they end up being corrupted by the power and the status that they have, and they do bad things because they have that power and it goes to their head, right? And they end up doing what's best for them so they can keep the power, so they can keep the status, so they can keep the money, right? And all those kind of things because the power corrupts because of the sin nature in us, because of the selfishness in humans. But God is above all that, right? Because he's perfectly holy. He's perfectly righteous. And so God being all-powerful is not a bad thing, right? It's actually a really good thing that the perfectly holy, righteous, just God is the one that's in control of all of it. Even whenever in our lives, it seems like everything's out of control, when everything's falling apart. And that's why Scripture over and over and over again, turn to Psalm 8. That's what I want us to read Psalm 8. Right? <clears throat> David has this incredible prayer here in Psalm 8 that is really the position when we start, when you stop and think about how incredible God is and how powerful He is, this is the place that should take us. Not to, not, there should be some like respectful fear of a God who can literally do anything He wants in regards to uh, creation can create new things. He can demolish things that exist, right? There is some respectful fear that should be there, but that's not the place that God wants us to live. All right, Psalm 8. David writes this, O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens. Out of the mouth of babies and infants, you have established strength because of your foes to still the enemy and the avenger. Not the Marvel Avengers, right? Let's stop there for just a second, okay? So out of the mouth of babies and infants, you have established strength because of your foes, right? Like this is how powerful God is. You take the most frail and needy being in the universe, a human baby, right? And God builds strength from that. One of the themes throughout all of Scripture is that God uses our weaknesses. God uses the weak and humbles the proud. Makes the wise look foolish. God is so powerful that he can establish strength to still an enemy, to still the avenger from the mouth of babies and infants. What more can he do with your life, no matter how broken you think you are? If he can do that with babies who can't do anything for themselves, what more can he do with you if you allow him to, right? I I, I find that incredible, that God is that big and that powerful, right? Let's read on. Verse 3. 
When I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him and the son of man that you care for him? Right? So we're seeing all of the grandness of the universe that God created and all of the things that God could be focused on and all of the incredible things and the beauty of his creation and all this stuff, yet we, to put it in old Baptist terms, right, like we're the crown of his creation, which means we're, we're like the highest point. Like we, he loves us in creation more than anything else. Actually, David goes on to say this, right, in verse 5, yet you have made him a little lower than the heavenly beings and crowned him with glory and honor. The actual literal translation there is that you have made him a little lower than God. In the just to get a little bit nerdy, right, with like translation stuff, in like some of the tra early translations, they got people got weirded out that David said that we were basically that we were higher than angels, and so that, that's why they put put a little bit lower than the heavenly beings. But the literal translation there is that he put us a little lower than. God. And that's not saying that we have like all this like power, we're second in command. Like that's not what that's saying, right? What it's saying is in order of God's heart and his desire to be in relationship with things in his creation, we're number one. God wants to be in relationship with you and me above all everything else in creation. Jesus puts it this way, and I've, I've referenced this a lot. This is, this is, these are verses that have just continually uh, come to my mind over the last like, month, month and a half. In Matthew chapter 6, Jesus is talking about not being anxious, right? And he tells us, see how the sparrow never spins or toils, right? Like he doesn't do anything really for himself to generate anything for himself. He scavenges, right? God provides for these little birds in creation that he loves and he created on purpose for beauty and all that kind of thing. But how much more he loves you and I, right? And if he's going to take care of the bird, God's in control enough that he's going to take care of you. That doesn't mean life is easy. That doesn't mean bad things won't happen because sin still exists in the world. Evil still exists in the world. But God's aware of all those things. He's not surprised by any of that. God's in control of all of it. Let's keep reading. Verse 6. You have given him dominion over the works of your hands, you have put all things under his feet, all sheep and oxen, and also the beasts of the fields. Just going on about how God has set us up high in the creation order, right? The birds of the heavens and the fish of the sea, whatever passes along the paths of the seas. O oh Lord our God, how majestic is your name in all the earth. When David is thinking about how powerful and incredible God is, he praises his name, he lifts him high, and then he's, he can't help but be in a place of awe that such an incredible, powerful God would choose to love him, would choose to love you, would choose to love me and seek redemption for all of us. The, the thing that this is, when you start to understand God being in control of all of it, it's supposed to be comforting. It's supposed to bring a sense of peace in our life. So when the San Francisco Bridge, whatever year that was, I probably should have looked it up, right? Whatever year the San Francisco Bridge years probably was being built, interesting thing, there was, um, they had several men fall off of it into the river, which was really far below, and die, right? 
which was slowing down progress. <laughs> Sounds weird, but that's how, that's how the story goes, right? They were slowing down progress because guys were falling and dying, right? And other guys were working slow because they didn't want to fall and die and, and, the, and this sort of thing, right? So what the guy, I don't know his name, right? What the guy decided to do, he implemented some other like safety things, but ultimately he ended up, they ended up making a net that went underneath the thing, went like all the way across underneath it all. What, what happened was very interesting. <laughs> I'm sure after the first, like, you didn't want to be the first guy to fall and test it to make sure it was actually going to work. But after that first guy fell and didn't die, uh, actually, for, at one point, they had to, like, make a rule that you can't jump off the bridge onto the net on t- intentionally. But once they got past that, actually, less people fell off of the bridge in general because they had a confidence that something was going to catch them. And in a lot of situations like that, confidence goes a long way. Right? It's usually whenever you're in fear and you're shaking that you're more, like you're, un- you're more unstable and you're going to lose your balance and fall, right? But when you can walk with confidence and you can step firm, it's less likely that you fall. See, that's what knowing that the all-powerful, like the God that we serve is all-powerful, is all-knowing, and is everywhere is supposed to do for us, that we can walk more confidently in life. Not that we won't have some anxiety, not that we won't be stressed about things, and not that we won't worry about things. But even in those moments, we can step with confidence and know that if and when we fall, God's there too. God will catch you. Isn't that incredible? I don't know. I, I, like David, I'm just in awe of how big and incredible our God is. Who is man that you are mindful of him? What would it look like in your life for you to walk with confidence in Jesus? You're going to talk about this in small groups in just a couple minutes, right? I just want to get you thinking about this already, okay? Instead of being anxious and worried about what everybody around you thinks of you, instead of being worried or anxious that you don't know everything there is to know about Jesus and somebody asks you a question you don't know the answer to, instead of being worried about all the infinite number of things you could be worried about when it comes to living for Jesus, what if you took seriously the understanding that God is the one ultimately in control of all those things, and he's going to be there when things don't go the way you, you want them to. He's going to be there when you mess up. And he's not there, like I said a couple weeks ago, he's not there like Zeus, like with lightning, trying to strike you down when you mess up, right? Like he's there to catch you, to pick you back up, put you back on the bridge working. What would your life look like if you had that the confidence that would come with really, truly understanding that the God you serve is all-powerful and righteous, holy, and is there for you at all times? Let me pray, and then we'll go into small groups. Father, I'm just in awe that you would continually choose to love us and that you would continually seek redemption for us and rescue for us, even though we continually are disobedient, continually fail. No matter how many times we 
or disobedient, no matter what brokenness is in our life, you are still there and you still love us and you still pursue us. Because you have set us at the pinnacle of your creation and you desire to be in relationship with us. I'm so thankful for that. And I pray now in this room that you would help these students understand the love that you have for them and the desire you have for them to live out your purpose of sharing the gospel in the world around them. Christ, I pray. Amen.